Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It has been a hot minute, a couple of weeks here, um, since I've uploaded a podcast. And I apologize. My goal is to upload a podcast um, about every week, maybe about every other week. But I'll be honest, I was a little bit intimidated by um, this next podcast that I wanted to upload. And that's because... You know, we were talking about um, what is occupational therapy and, you know, a little bit about my journey and common terminology. And when we look at pediatrics specifically, pediatric OT, really the foundation here in pediatric OT is having a good understanding of pediatric development. When we're working with kids, there's such a large spectrum of development and skills that kids are supposed to um, achieve or master or learn at different ages. Um, And it really plays a huge impact on our treatment process, the interventions that we do, things that are meaningful for the kids, the skills we're working on. It's really this ever-moving continuum that we have to have a pretty good understanding of in order in order to be good therapists. Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, are a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to in one, maybe two podcast episodes, um, give you information about pediatric development. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much information. There's so many developmental checklists, so many different milestones. Are we talking, you know, birth to three years, which would be early intervention? Are we talking school-aged Uh, Are we talking adolescent development? And then what domain of development are we talking about? Do I talk about motor? Do I talk about cognitive? Do I talk about um, sensory development, reflex? I just was feeling super overwhelmed. And so I kept procrastinating on this episode. But I'm here And what I'm going to do, what I decided uh, to do is to compartmentalize the different areas of development. I think for me, it's easier to understand something when I can compartmentalize it into small subgroups and then kind of pull from that, those those categories or, or those areas to bring it all together to get this more of a global perspective. And so I'm going to have a whole season here on the podcast where we're going to break down areas of development and the intention here is that the podcast episodes will be shorter 
So you can really focus in on one area of development or one age group, think about it, process it, utilize it where and when you need to, refer back to it where it's appropriate, and then have a different episode um, talking about a different area of development or a different age group. Just so it's more available in bite-sized pieces and uh, easier to digest for you. So I kind of touched on it already, but the first question that I want to answer that you might be having is what is development or what is a developmental milestone? Um, I realize that I'm really used to some of this language and if you're an OT student or an OT practitioner, I hope that this is language that you're familiar with, but maybe you're not a an OT student or an, or an OT practitioner. Maybe you're a parent or a teacher or um, another person who wants to learn about the children that you work with or that are in your life. And so I just want to be sure that I'm not using too much jargon here. So just to break it down, a developmental milestone um, is, is really, it's, it's this timeline of developmental skills, right? So birth, uh, really in utero is where some of these developmental milestones begin. Um, but then really what we, what we are able to measure and see, uh, especially as OT practitioners, is starting at birth and then kind of moving into infancy, toddlerhood, childhood, preteen, teenage years, even into early adult and adult years. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have the development of aging and the regression of skill sets and, and everything that comes into getting older in geriatrics. Um, but we're going to focus here on the earlier parts of life and, and um, earlier development. So it's this timeline of skills and abilities that an individual is expected to demonstrate or show um, at a given age. So, you know, at one years old, uh, an infant is expected to show XYZ skills. And then as they move into a year and a half or maybe like a year and eight months, there's a whole new set of skills that they'd, they'd be expected to have um, demonstrated or are beginning to show at this time. And it kind of plays into that whole continuum as we go into school age abilities and as we kind of get into like middle school and high school and the way that we're structuring the child's life in terms of routine and schooling and giving them more independence based on the skills that they've developed. So it's really a developmental milestone is a particular skill set that we would expect an individual to be able to do at a certain age. And so that's what we're gonna get into is what are those skill sets, what are those abilities, and at what age should we be seeing these? So like I said, there are a bunch of different developmental checklists online, different timelines with different skill sets. Um, so it's, it sometimes can be hard to organize, well, what what age really should I be expecting my child to achieve this? And sometimes there is a right answer, right? Sometimes there really is, at this age, you really should have mastered XYZ skills by now. 
But I just want to start off by saying development is a continuum, which means everybody kind of develops at their own pace. Some skills may develop before others. And while there are guidelines to development and things we would really like to see a child um, be able to do at a certain age, it's not to say there's an exact formula for development. And so just take that into consideration if you're thinking about a particular child in your life or a particular um, child that you're working with or your child, uh, that just because a child hasn't yet shown a particular skill, it doesn't mean that they never will. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are behind in development. And it doesn't mean that there's anything particularly wrong. However, if you're starting to see a couple of skills that aren't quite developing along the timeline that's recommended, or you're starting to see that functional abilities you think your child should be able to do at a certain age, but they're not, there definitely could be some underlying issues or challenges that your child's experiencing that is trickling up into these areas of development and their overall ability to function independently. So why are developmental milestones important? And why is it important for a caregiver, whether that be you as a teacher, a parent, a babysitter, an aunt, uncle, grandparent, you know, we all kind of, we all kind of play this role um, in a child's life. Why is it important that we do monitor these developmental milestones and what, is it, what does it mean? Particularly, what does it mean if a child is not meeting areas of development that they should be? On average, about 17% of children in the United States have a developmental or behavioral disability. And many more have delays in language or other areas of development. To make that a little bit easier to think about, that is one out of every six children. Fewer than half of those children are identified as having a delay before starting school. So you have 17% of children who are, are experiencing, or really maybe more than 17% of children, who are experiencing developmental delays. Less than half of those kids are being identified as having a delay before they enter school. Y'all, do you know how much development takes place before a student reaches school? As a school-based therapist, I feel like I could very easily go down the rabbit hole here explaining how important it is for specific skill sets to be intact, to be developed before a child ever enters the academic setting, but that is not a conversation for today. <laughs> that is a whole separate podcast related, but I'm not gonna, I'm, we're not gonna go there today. Nonetheless, monitoring a child's development 
and recognizing when there are particular or maybe multiple developmental delays and seeking help in that moment is so critical in receiving the services that that child needs at that time. The process, you know, let's say your child's six months old and you're recognizing some delays. And by the time you schedule an appointment with your pediatrician and then that pediatrician makes a referral out to whatever therapist is warranted, OT, PT, speech language, psychological services, um, by the time that script for that referral comes in, you are in contact with that practitioner and you set up the evaluation. The evaluation is then completed. You then come, come together in a meeting with all the team members that need to be there and then services begin. You're looking at several weeks, maybe, maybe a few months. In that amount of time, there are even more developmental milestones that the child then should be expected to be making. Receiving services as early as possible is going to help the child start to receive the benefit of improving these skill sets before we start layering on more milestones that are then not being met. The earlier a child can start receiving services, the better. In terms of their ability to develop new neuropathways, to achieve a particular motor skill, their ability to develop certain um, skill sets in brain development, like language development and the language compartment of the brain, or the ability for the autonomic nervous system to be able to respond and cope with environmental stress factors. All of this to say, while development's a continuum and some milestones may be skipped or developed at a later time, monitoring your child's development and areas of development is going to be crucial as they get older to make sure they have the support if they need them to encourage their overall development to be successful. So one of the most commonly used resources and probably the resource that your pediatrician is using for tracking and monitoring developmental milestones would be the information that's provided by the CDC or the Centers for Disease and Control Prevention. So the CDC uses what's called norm referenced data to develop these milestones. So what norm referenced data means is it's taking a large group or a large sample size of a particular group or particular population our population here being a particular age, and using that large group data that they've gathered through particular tests or assessments, they're figuring out what the majority of individuals at that age are able to do. The CDC actually just recently updated their developmental milestone checklists. They did this in the beginning of 2022, so about a year ago, 
and it's the first time they've updated these guidelines in 20 years. And I will say there is some controversy on the updates. They did make some significant changes and a lot of people, particularly in the occupational therapy world, have some very strong feelings about these changes. So I'm going to use the rest of this podcast to describe what some of these changes are and what they might mean as it relates to referring an individual or a young child for occupational therapy services or in general for early intervention services. And then in future podcasts, we're actually going to go through those checklists and start to gain this understanding of pediatric development and what what milestones are most important. So let's jump into some of the changes that were made with the new CDC developmental milestone checklists. So for starters, they have a new criteria for the milestones. So previously, with the norm referenced data, they were looking at the 50th percentile. And so what that means was they'd have a particular milestone at a particular age and that milestone would be there because 50% of individuals at that age were reaching that milestones. And so they were looking kind of at the, the top of, of a bell curve. If you're used to statistics and you know about um, norm-referenced data and standard deviations, they were looking right at the top of that bell curve to determine those milestones. So the new changes, um, they're now looking at the 75th percentile, which means at a particular age, a particular skill set is being demonstrated by 75% of children at that age. So because of this change, what happened was a lot of developmental milestones actually got pushed further back. So they're kind of further down that timeline. And there's both positives and negatives to this. One of the positives being kind of what we touched on earlier where children develop at different rates. And just because they haven't met a skill yet doesn't mean they won't. This change is allowing for a little bit more grace in that varied development. So instead of taking your infant to the pediatrician and saying they haven't reached this developmental milestone where only 50% of children are meeting that developmental milestone at that time, it's allowing for pediatricians and caregivers a little bit more accuracy in determining if this is really an issue. However, because now these milestones are being pushed further back and the criteria is up to a 75% chance, a negative to this might be if a child's not meeting particular developmental milestones, we are not determining that this is an issue until further down the line. Meaning, 
that where they could have been receiving therapeutic services to help intervene here and help develop these skill sets earlier when there is an issue, now these services, this early intervention, isn't being recognized or provided until a little bit later. Another change that was made is they made the language more reader friendly and they removed some of the vague language surrounding the milestones such as may do this or begins to do this. Now the language is a little bit more direct. They also removed some duplicate milestones and some milestones that had repetitive language. Some other changes that they made with the new developmental milestones is that there's actually fewer milestones per age group. Altogether, in the CDC developmental milestones checklist, there's actually a lot fewer milestones. They've removed a lot. So the original checklist had 373 devel developmental milestones whereas the new checklist has 159 milestones. So they removed, totally removed, 216 milestones. Some of those being the repetitive ones, but others being pretty important ones. And that's where some of the controversy, especially in the OT world, is coming from. They kept 94 of the original milestones that were on the previous checklist and then they added 65 new ones. So if you think about that, originally there was 373 developmental milestones, only 94 of those milestones remain. 65 new milestones were added. So we're going to do a little bit of math here, just try to visualize this. One third of the milestones that were on the original list, so 94 milestones on the original list transferred over to the new checklist, one third of those, so 31 of those, moved to a new age bracket. 21 of those, or two thirds of those, moved to a higher age. So we we're just talking about how a lot of the milestones, because they upped the, the criteria from 50% to 75%, a lot of the milestones were pushed further down the timeline. Additionally, the domain of the milestones changed. So cog cognitive milestones decreased by 50%. So half of the cognitive milestones that were on the list, they're not there anymore. Language milestones, the so speech language development milestones, decreased 9%, and motor milestones decreased 6%. Now, some are going to decrease because we are taking milestones off the list, but 50% of the cognitive milestones I think is pretty high. Although, as an OT, to hear that only 6% of motor milestones decreased, 
that makes me a little bit happy that you know we're, we're really placing an emphasis here on the motor development. They also added in more social emotional milestones, which I do think is really important, especially being in the school-based setting, I'm seeing a lot of challenges in social emotional development. Probably COVID had a big impact on this. So I'm glad to see that there's some more emphasis placed on these milestones earlier on. So when you go to the CDC's website, you're going to see 12 different checklists divided by age. So it starts at two months of age, then it goes to four months, six months, nine months, and a year. And then it jumps up to 15 months, 18 months, two years, 30 months, three years, four years, five years. So as we get a little bit further along that timeline, the age brackets, they jump up a little bit further. They go from two months up to a whole year. And within those checklists, there's four domains of development that we're looking at. There's social emotional milestones, language communication milestones, cognitive milestones, which involves learning, thinking, problem solving, and then movement and physical development milestones. So in addition to the new changes of the developmental milestones, the CDC also released a new app for your phone. It's compatible with both iPhones and Androids. I feel like this should be a whole separate podcast on pediatric OT apps because I have a few of them that I, I really like. But this app that the CDC released, you can go in and you can say your relevance to the child. So like you're a teacher, parent, guardian, health provider, um, that sort of thing. And then you can go in and you can put your location. I'm doing it as we speak. I downloaded the app. So then you can go in and you can put a child's name, their date of birth, a little bit about their birth history, and then you can add another child. I don't really have a child to add because I don't have any children. Um, but then I'm, I would assume that then you could, based on their date of birth, go in and match or keep track of the developmental milestones that they've completed. So that's kind of cool. If you have a child in your life and you're curious about this and you want some hands-on, tangible things that you can do to kind of take agency over this, you can download the free app. Kind of cool. So switching gears, let's let's briefly go into some of the controversy that some of the new changes are stirring up, particularly in the pediatric OT world. There is a whole mess of changes that was made in terms of speech language development, but I'm not a speech language provider, so I cannot speak to that. But if that's something of interest to you, there are so many blog articles online about the, the language and speech language development that was made with these new CDC guidelines. Um, go take a look or have a conversation with your speech language pathologist. So we're going to dive into some of the controversy here in the OT 
world. We already talked about kind of moving the milestones to an older age might kind of um, make noticing delayed milestones a little bit harder to detect and therefore delaying early intervention treatments. But what I really want to get into was one of the big ones that they removed from, like, turning my note page over. I took so many notes on this, you guys. It's really interesting. Um, one of the big developmental milestones that they removed was crawling. So just because I know you're going to ask, when does a baby start to crawl? Typically, a baby will start to rock forwards and backwards on their hands and knees uh, about six months old, so um, give or take a, a month or so. And then about nine months old is when they're going to start to crawl. They're going to start to crawl around nine months old, start pulling themselves up to stand um, anywhere between like nine and 12 months old, and then really babies are going to start to then walk around a year, um, anywhere between like 10 and 18 months old. So just to kind of make the number simple, we're rocking at six months, crawling around nine, pulling ourselves up, and beginning to walk just a little bit after a year. However, crawling was removed from the new CDC developmental milestones. So there is a there's a few reasons why crawling was removed, and I totally understand it being removed for these reasons. Many babies will skip crawling, um, and so if your baby's not crawling, it's not because they're not going to walk or they're not pulling themselves up. They might have just skipped that milestone. So it seems then that maybe it's not a super important milestone to be looking for if some babies are skipping it. And it wasn't taken off of the developmental milestones necessarily because it wasn't important. It has a little bit to do with how crawling is defined. Um, but really what they're looking at in terms of development is locomotion or the child's ability to transport their body independently. And it doesn't necessarily have to be crawling um, that we're seeing to show this, this area of development. Some other types of locomotion um, that you might see a baby completing is like walking, scooting, slithering, or rolling. Um, each of those kind of come at a different time, but it's still showing the baby's ability to transport their body from point A to point B. The problem here though, is that by removing crawling, and this is some of just my personal intake, by removing crawling from the developmental milestones checklist, even though it wasn't removed because it's not important, if a caregiver doesn't see that on a checklist, they might not realize how important it is. So crawling, in and of itself to get from one destination to the next can be achieved in other ways that we just talked about. However, in the crawling position and through the act of crawling, you are in a quadruped position, which means that both knees and both hands 
are on the floor, typically distributed at an equal length, and they're kind of running parallel. You are weight shifting, you are working both hemispheres, or both sides of the body, so right and left side, in coordination both with the upper and lower extremities. So you're working in multiple planes, um, and it requires a lot of cross-signaling of the body from upper and lower half and then right and left side that is super impactful in development later on. You're also building up a lot of motor coordination abilities as well as strength in the upper extremities, in the, in the hips, and in particularly as an OT, one thing that we're really concerned about here is the palmar arches, which is going to support handwriting down the line. So because you're using the arches of your hand and your fingertips to really support yourself, you're building up a lot of intrinsic hand strength in the lumbricals of the hand, which is going to impact fine motor skills later down the line. You're also developing a lot of visual skills, the ability to look far and then to look near and to focus in between. So some of that ability is like visual saccades or quick localization between two targets, specifically localization between a far point and a near point, which also starts to develop depth perception. In addition, crawling can help to integrate different reflexes, like the STNR reflex and the ATNR reflex. So we'll get into reflexes later, but those two are the symmetrical tonic neck reflex and the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex. There's so many bodily systems that start to develop and start to integrate together through the act of crawling. So when a baby skips crawling, it's not to say that they won't ever develop those skills. They just need to develop those skills in other ways. But crawling is a really great way to develop those skills. This is why tummy time is super important for babies. Um, and if a baby is crawling and not yet standing or walking, try not to put them in a standing or walking position. They will get there eventually unless those milestones seem a little bit delayed, then you know obviously you're gonna seek out ways to facilitate that more naturally. But let a baby crawl if they are. And if they skip over the crawling developmental milestone, they go right to walking, then facilitate crawling in other fun ways like a bear crawl or crawling through tunnels or you know, crawling under sheets and that sort of thing um, to help develop these skills in other ways. That's something that a therapist would probably do. But it's also kind of some fun things you can do at home. Not crawling or skipping crawling can also be a potential sign of a sensory processing disorder. It could have something to do with some tactile defensiveness to the floor, and so you're not wanting to crawl across the floor and get your hands and your knees dirty. Um, it could be due to challenges of integrating both sides together, and so that motion is very challenging, so babies are avoiding it. 
there could other there could be some other um, like vestibular or proprioceptive um, sensory challenges going on foundationally that a child may avoid crawling or just kind of skip right over it. Because of this, sensory processing disorders are very easily missed in developmental checklists. They're, they're kind of hard to, to piece out early on. Um, and so typically they're not noticed until later, later in life, later in age, when a student's in school and they're having a hard time focusing or um, they're fidgeting in their seat or they can't quite monitor their force and so they're getting really close to, to peers and touching peers and, and slamming doors but they don't mean to and it's a whole nother um, can of worms to open up there. But all that to be said, by removing a lot of things from the CDC guidelines, particularly crawling, and simplifying that that checklist, it can be it can be beneficial because it's more tangible for caregivers to kind of just check three or four, we're doing okay. Yup, instead of having this overwhelming list that they're trying to look out for. However, by removing a lot of milestones, we might be missing particular areas of development that we should be looking for. Um, and again, with pushing those developments a little bit further down the timeline because we're increasing the percentile rank there that these skills are acquired, we're prolonging potential therapeutic services um, to later in life. So there's some pros, there's some cons of changing the guidelines took a real deep dive into that. Hope you're interested in the CDC developmental milestones. Um, there's other lists as well. And if you go to a lot of um, like blog posts or organizations websites, you'll see other checklists. I think it's nice to kind of cross compare, right? Maybe start with the CDC checklist, start with the app that they have, and then cross compare with some other checklists. And so this leads me to our affirmation for the day. And that is, trust your intuition. If you are a caregiver, you are a parent, aunt, uncle, grandparent, um, older sibling. I say that because I was an older sibling um, to my younger brother and sister. Today's actually their birthday. Um, total side note. But they're 23, so the babies, they're grown up. Um, you're a teacher, you're a therapist, whatever it is, and you're monitoring a child and you're checking for some of these developmental milestones and something doesn't feel right. It's just, it's just, it's not settling well with you. Trust your intuition. Speak up. Go see your pediatrician. Seek out help for your child. Worst comes to worst, they have a comprehensive evaluation done in the area that you're concerned about, and they're okay. Then you have some peace of mind. But if your intuition, your gut feeling is telling you something's just, it's just, it's not settling right, I'm not really sure, this just doesn't seem right, advocate for yourself, and most importantly, 
advocate for the child in your life. And that's where I leave you today. Um, I'll be back. We will dive into other areas of development, try to make the podcast shorter. Um, but yeah, if you could just do me a favor and like the podcast or subscribe to it, download it. Um, but really, if you could just take 30 seconds and go to the podcast and scroll down and leave a review, I would so greatly so greatly appreciate that. Um, I can track the statistics of the podcast through um, the the app that I use to kind of upload everything to both Spotify and then to Apple Podcast, and it's really super super cool. Um, obviously, a lot of my listeners are in the United States, but I have some listeners in Mexico. I have some listeners in Belgium. I have some listeners in Tanzania and I have some listeners in Australia. I so I officially have listeners in five countries. Um it probably isn't that big of a deal considering it's the internet and the web and things spread, but I just want to say if you are listening from outside of the United States, I see you on my on my little um my little tracker thing. Um And I appreciate you for listening in. I also realize that you probably have your own methods in your countries of measuring developmental milestones. So this podcast may have had no relevance to you considering that the CDC um, is through the United States. But, you know, maybe you learned something. So thank you for being here. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at ot underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.